Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a senior reporter at the journal.ie, Michelle Hennessy. Welcome Hi. to the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm so excited. I'm, you know what? Like, the thing I'm most excited about is talking about something other than the pandemic, because this is the first time I've done mm-hmm. anything that hasn't been about COVID. So I'm really jazzed. <laughs> we are here to provide gentle relief from the onslaught of medical mm-hmm. news. I'm always excited <laughs> to talk to longtime Twitter mutuals who I've never talked to in real life. That's I know. what's exciting to me. You know, I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> The Irish Twitter opening up and becoming human. That's what I'm about, you know? They're real. <laughs> so about two weeks before, no, about a week before we recorded this episode, uh, someone wrote an article in The Guardian about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And everybody in my Twitter timeline was furious about it. And it turned out everybody in my Twitter timeline had very strong opinions about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And you had the strongest opinions. And that was why you were <laughs> did, here. Did I have the strongest? <laughs> well, you said, okay, so let's give us some context. Like <laughs> You told me you watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves twice a year. Oh, at, how, oh, at least, at least. And, and when did that start? Okay, so you know what? I actually, I spoke to my mother like about a half an hour before this because I wanted to do some real deep research before mm-hmm. this podcast. Uh, and I, I was like, when was the first time I watched it? Because when it came, it came out in 91 and I would have been four then. So I definitely, like I didn't go to see it in the cinema, yeah. I don't think. Uh, and my memory of us watching it in our house is we had we had definitely recorded it from the tv and we had it on one of those like blank tapes with the stickers that had like squares on them and i I can like i was saying to my mom on the phone i can actually see the like blue biro all in caps robin hood prince of thieves written across the side of it and that's what we watched for years so like she thinks the first time i would have seen it would have been like maybe seven or eight years old so that would have been what 94 95 yeah so it would have been on the telly by that point you know it would have been would have been on the telly at that point yeah yeah Yeah, so like we we watched it as a family fairly regularly like i'd say that twice a year thing was probably something that was introduced during childhood and then just Mm. just kept going into adulthood it's definitely my hangover film oh wow like it's it's very comforting so cozy like those, those so films are really important i feel like juvenilia intersects a lot with that very particular kind of dead to the world but alive to this movie feeling you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> not having to think a lot as well you know and like if you've seen it so many times you kind of know how it ends even if there are you know sad or scary parts i mean it's not a particularly ser- like serious film in the first place so you know watching it things are going to be okay <laughs> But it, it's it's ambient. There's a lot of a lot of ambience in it, you know. And I I I'm often personally very comforted by like just looking at forests, and yes. you know, there's an awful lot of just looking at the woods here. And I can totally see why that's a very restorative, comforting thing when you're sick, you know. Yeah, it it is really beautiful. Like the the film is actually aside from the, the sort of comical aspects of it, like it, it all the, the the shots in it are, are really nice and it's also really uplifting you know like the music and everything just kind of gets you going like you know the music that's one of the things that always makes me really, really nostalgic like when the the it, the credits at the start get going and you've got that like like it just even thinking about it gets me excited <laughs> we should probably give some context for, for people who haven't seen it so like what's the gist of this robin hood because there's a lot of robin hoods there is. And this one, yeah. I like at the end, I had to go and Google every single character in it and find out if that was just a fit, a version of them from this film or if that was the actual like legend version, because most of them aren't really a close match in this film, are they? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't really uh, have no interest in any of the Robin Hoods because this is obviously really? the best one that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. It's um, fine words. It's fine yeah. words. <laughs> so, yeah. so I like I, I, I'm not even... I'm not even that interested in the original folklore, to be honest. Mm. <clears throat> um, but but with this one, it's Robin Hood. He goes off to the Crusades, uh, and um, it, his father doesn't agree with it. So like it, this conflict with his father is a big thing at the start of it. Um, but we see him; he's been captured, uh, and but while he's on the Crusades, um, trying to convert the Muslims. Uh, not a very noble cause, but uh, I mean, late, later on, he sort of realizes the error of his ways in that respect. Um, so he, he's been captured and one of his friends is just about to have his, his hand cut off um, for allegedly stealing bread. And he says it was actually me who did it. 
uh, and they go, okay, chop both of their hands off. So we see him like immediately at the very beginning being this sort of noble, heroic guy who steps in for his friend. Um, and long story short, he, he manages to escape with the help of um, what they're calling a Moor, a Muslim guy, Morgan Freeman. Um, and they travel back to England together. And because he, he has saved Morgan Freeman's character, Azim's life, Azim travels back to England with him, and they're the sort of the, the two friends who, who travel along the way. And then the, the rest of it is the, the kind of the, I mean, what I would consider the, the rest of the Robin Hood story that he mm. he comes across the, the the merry men, and you know they've been pushed out of out of their homes and into the forest and sort of exiled, uh, and it, they start you know robbing from the rich to, to give to the poor. Um, except in this Robin Hood, he he has. Uh, I think they focus more on the Maid Marian aspect in this, like the, the love interest, that she's she's actually quite a, a big feature in it. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously they they fall in love and uh, and then she becomes the damsel in distress at the end. And then we have the, the sheriff character who is absolutely despicable all the way through, um, played by Alan Rickman, who like, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought of Alan Rickman's character, but he's just... He's just perfect. Like he's he's one of the most interesting baddies I think I've ever seen in a movie. Um, he has a very strange like cokey energy in the yeah, early scenes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that he's because I could not loush, put my finger yeah. on it. But I was like, this guy is fucking and stabbing, and there's there's an <laughs> yeah. energy to him that it's like, oh, yeah. I, I've met that guy. I know him. Yeah, it's very familiar. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. And uh, that slightly manic, depraved like gross energy is mm. it's fabulous and um as i was watching it i was just like everybody who is out here thirsting after adam driver is filling an enormous alan rickman shaped hole in their hearts because he's the <laughs> he's the <laughs> sorry um his shirt is the... unbuttoned to his waist but still <laughs> yeah. that, just that one button for just He's just, for him's sake in he's every just, scene. like nippling around do you know and like <laughs> yeah. he's i could watch uh, him forever because he's so uh, like both predictable and unpredictable at the same yeah. time you know he's uh, a yeah. panto villain nearly he's trying to be like the errol flynn robin hood but like a dark yes. mirror universe errol flynn robin hood Against, he's like, so disgusting yeah. but so captivating like you can't stop watching mm. him and so likable despite the fact that he's just an awful awful like the things that he does he's killing people he's trying to rape people like he, he's doing all of the very worst things that you can do as human being and yet you still think he's gas you know and i think it's just because of the way alan rickman like what he brings to the character um he's loving it in, he's mincing around he's loving he loves it, it. Yeah, yeah. and actually interesting piece of trivia is that alan rickman actually wrote a lot of his own lines for this so Amazing. yeah so that they had tried to get him to do it and he hated the script so they just said like apparently you know you just carte blanche go off and do do whatever you want with it uh and he went off and just rewrote like big chunks of it and so i think all of the funniest bits were bits that he wrote for himself and i love his scary ma i love his scary <laughs> ma i love her like you know you put me within 100 yards of a witch character and i'm like go back and look at her again i like her um we have the same hair uh i just enjoy her kind of lingering around his bedroom looking into skulls and being like somebody's talking shit and you know when he's like great i'll go and stab him now you know like there's a lovely there there is a high camp to it you know that that goes missing at other portions of the story but is like huge in alan rickman's role like there's a point towards the end where he walks into the church to tell maid marion he's gonna marry her whether she likes it or not and his outfit is literally like did you stone those tights like it's absolutely <laughs> head to toe glimmering like he's he's fantastic you know he's brilliant love him. <laughs> 10 out of 10 yeah so kevin costner and on the other hand is kind of like this like surfer bro robin hood yeah he's very broy at the start he kind of grows out of it i think that's probably like the, the arc of the characters him growing out of that broy thing but it's definitely applying like american rich kid to british rich british medieval rich kid kind of an effect yeah i i think that was the the take on i i do think you're right that that is kind of part of the arc of the characters that he's supposed to be this kind of like arrogant rich boy at the start who 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 i think and I, I don't know whether they, they tie this in as much as they could, but I think the point is that he went to the Crusades and realized that like forcing your religion on other people was 
an arrogant way to behave. And he learned a lot from that. And he kind of mentions it later on when he says, um, I mean, I can't remember the exact line, but it's something about like uh, that he learned from the Crusades that um, one uh, farmer defending their land was stronger than than tire, uh, 10 hired, um, I'm going to say army men, but that's not what he said in the <laughs> film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of tied into his his growth as a character, you know, and then his his connection with the uh, the merry men and, and 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 giving back and and then his father's death and how his father had always said you know the sort of the, the nobility was was more important um than you know sort of your your own your own self-interest so there is i mean but it, it is it's not a very deep film so i think that those those kinds of, of character developments are are quite subtle it is a yeah, bunch of handsome of gents it's a bunch yeah. of handsome gents legging it oh, around so the forest handsome. you know yeah and i thought i thought um robin himself i was like i kind of i was like who does he look like you know he looks like somebody like contemporary and i was like shit man he looks like jonah hill that's my oh, he does a bit he has extreme oh, yeah. jonah hill face yeah i can and, see it yeah mm. and i was like that is like there's something really compelling and kind of like funny like in a nice way like kind of playful mm-hmm. about the way that he makes faces i found his accent disorienting like he neither committed <laughs> yeah. to full yank or <laughs> full brit um mm. and he became a more believable roguish robin hood as it goes along you know mm. and i i did he like stepped into the the role like it, it react, there there was character development present though it isn't deep they definitely did do a character <laughs> development on him you know yeah like Basically, when he got a bow, it was kind of like, ah, oh, oh, yeah, there, he there is. he is. Kind of a, there he is. Like, 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 kind of a Zelda kind of thing. It's like, ah, now you have your sword. When he does the bit now where he kisses yeah. the lady's hand in the carriage in the forest, he does it exactly mm. like how in cartoon Robin Hood, the OG Robin Hood, the one-two Robin Hood, <laughs> they does it the same way the fox like eats the diamonds off of the mm. lady's ring. So I was like, oh. yeah, the, the cheekiness of the character he definitely has. Yeah. You know that that kind of lo- lovable rogue, mm. cheeky, handsome guy. You know, but the, like the accents. When you're watching it, if you, if you like, if you're really paying attention, none of the accents are really any good, you know. Yeah. Like, and none of them are the same English accent, which they no. should be, because yeah, yeah. they're all in the same place. But there's that—that's a nice anachronism, then. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's sort of a there's a there's very much a sense of everyone is playing at, like it's 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 like watching a play, you know. It's, it's yeah. sort of there's a lovely distance to it, you know. It it is a fantasy story, even though there aren't any dragons, you know. So like it, it does make you you're always kind of wondering what Christian Slater is going to do because his accent is so American <laughs> it's even more American than Kevin Costner is like hey this guy's going to do something there's something on you and the fact that they turn out to be half brothers in the end because they both have American accents does make sense and, little, and they do uh, kind of look alike as well they, they do. do yeah yeah and they have both like little mullets little mullets oh, it was 1991 so yeah I love little John because he looks like he's been pulled out of a 1970s BBC series about Robin Hood. He just has a 1970s like independent film face where he just has the gap tooth and his beard is a bit too big for Hollywood and stuff. And he just is just, just like fitting for it. Again, I'm talking myself around to loving this film and, and loving every single choice to be in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I thought it was only okay when I watched it. I, he was very well yeah. cast though. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this happens to us a lot. It's, it's like that thing, you know, that New York Times article where there's like 20 questions and if you ask someone these 20 questions, you'll fall in love with them. It's like, if you talk about anything for long enough on Juvenalia, you will go, I fucking love this. This thing. is the Grease 2 <laughs> paradox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I walked into the Grease 2 podcast, I was like, I fucking hated that film. I can't believe I that film. I'm traumatized by that film. And at the end of it, I was like, beep production. Like I was kind of walking out bopping, you know? So yeah. that's what happens. I just can't believe that neither of you had seen it before this. Like that, that, to me yeah. is stunning. I had definitely watched at least the start of it at some point in the mid nineties around when you probably saw it. Um, but I think because I was so obsessed with the Disney Robin Hood and that it starts like five years before the Disney Robin Hood does kind of in Robin Hood's life, I just did not understand what I was seeing or why I was seeing it. And then I kind of tuned out by the time it got to the, the Robin E. Hood bits, I guess. Uh, Cause as I was watching it, I was like, what I really want for Robin Hood film is like three heists, three really good heists of increased complexity. And then I went, that's a Disney Robin Hood film. I've just pitched the Disney Robin Hood film for myself. <laughs> uh, so you really have to, now that I've, like, I'm like 20 years off my Robin Hood obsession, 
I can watch it properly and like actually experience it properly. But like at the time, it just you know when you're a kid and you're watching like something based off something you like. And to me, this I was expecting a film, a live action version of of that Rob of Disney Robin Hood, and it seemed like the Mario Brothers film or like a Sonic cartoon. Mm. If it's not getting to the bit. You're bored out of your mind. Same with like Home Alone. You're like, if you're watching out of the six show, you're like, I know there's a bit where he fucks shit up on people. And you're you are bored for the first hour of that film if you're seven years old because he's not fucking shit up, you know? So that's how I, that's why I bounced off Prince of Tees originally. Thing. And because the song had been around for 16 weeks for an entire summer. And I just, I associated, because the, the video for that has so many clips from the film in it. I kind of felt like I'd seen it as well. Because it was not yeah. for 16 weeks in the UK. And I, I was actually in Britain that summer, so I kind of just was surrounded by that song for a very long time. Simply had no idea that song was from this movie. Really? What? Simply. How? Until, how? Yeah. Like until this day that we are sitting here having this conversation. <laughs> no way! Like Robin Hood and Maid Marian with her badwig.com, uh, the worst wig I've ever seen. Badwigs. I I on uh, wig watch zero out of ten. Um, when they're kind of like having a little moment together and they're doing this kind of plinky plonky version of the song and I was just like would they not just commit to the bit and go full Baz Luhrmann and just play it do you know like would you not just go <laughs> go full into it but they they instead play it in this sort of um medieval way but I was like that's amazing that they you know that's the only mm. pop song they use that's so interesting wow what a what a weird musical choice for this film <laughs> and then it turns out Lo and behold, it was the song from the film all along. Mm-hmm. So, so you you had also never seen the music video. I did. For the song. I did not have MTV, so uh-huh. I I have this. I have these incredible gaping uh, blank spots in my uh, like pop culture knowledge. Oh man, you missed out. I know. I'm, I'm coming back to it now. I'm coming back to it now. You know. So tell me, so tell me about your own relationship to it, and when you watch it now as a piece of comfort work, or when you were watching it growing up. Like, where do you position yourself in the band of Merry Men? Like, where are you at? Like, do you want to be, do you want to be like Maid Marian, or do you want to be like a, a a Will Scarlet type kind of like snake in the grass? Like, when you're watching it, where do you want to belong in that world? That's what I want to know because it is a big world. It's a big cast. There's lots of things happening. It's a long story. It's like it's a long movie. So where did you, where do you find yourself? in that story I that's a really interesting question I feel like every time I watch it I probably want to be somebody different <laughs> maybe just, story. Yeah. yeah maybe it just depends on what mood I'm in I mean obviously I'd love to be Robin Hood because like he, he's the most badass character but then I find I actually find Azim's character fascinating yeah the mystic uh, the, yes uh, and like he's he has some real zingers that he says all the way through, you know, like uh, like these these really witty one-liners that he comes out with, uh, like when they arrive in England at first and uh, they're walking through the countryside and Robin um, finds a mistletoe tree and he's like, oh, look, mistletoe. And he explains what it is. Uh, and Azim hits back with, in my country, we talk to our women, we don't drug them with plants. <laughs> which is one of women. the best lines in the entire film he's brilliant uh, yeah and then he also says something later about like the hospitality in this country is as warm as the weather yeah he's those brilliant. kinds of little lines i love because everyone is terrible to him they don't bulk away from it you know i think there's the the no. the, the narrative trope I, th- I believe spike jones um coined this i did a bit i remember i remember this from college and then i looked it back up when i was watching it's like i know that i've i'm seeing something that i have read about and it's like this it's the magical negro the the magical black mm. character right so the i think that the oracle in the matrix is another really good example of it where yeah. the only time it is in an otherwise entirely white backdrop that you see a, a black person is or the in green a mile is the big or the green mile yeah is is, yeah. is like a magical or like a potent character who will show you a different version of looking at the world because they are from far away right and it's not necessarily like a hard critique but it's also a very precise critique of the role that uh, that uh, Freeman plays excellently and with incredible wryness and is the most fun person to be in that cast really you want to be the so mystic. hot in that film he's super hot like, <laughs> so hot considering he's only like five years off of like Shawshank where he plays an old man yeah 
He looks really young for it. He looks yeah. great. I mean, the, the men are all really, really handsome. This is something. Mm. So we like we. I my husband last weekend. We watched the extended cut, which like don't watch it because it all it's awful. But um, the Snyder cut of an already two and <laughs> already two hour forty five minute movie. Yeah, <laughs> the director was locked out of the editing bay to finish the film. It's oh, really terrible. Film. But when we were watching it, he was like, he's like this film wasn't really made for men because that like a lot of it is really about the, like the the female erotic gaze rather than the male erotic gaze and i had never thought about that until until he said it that like a lot of it like if you even think about like maid marion is and i actually i i like the the uh, actress choice for that because she was not the kind of typical 90s love interest i don't think yeah um you know she's sort of pale and and she's really beautiful but she's a lot plainer looking like she's not a sort of a, a glamorous oh, yeah. she's um, like she's character actor attractive not like yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um and, and you don't see her like she's really well covered up for the entire yeah. film it's not yeah. like like she, she doesn't have her like, she, yeah, she doesn't have her boobs out for yep. for any any part of it. She's completely covered up. Catherine Zeta-Jones in Zorro, this is not, and that could yeah, have been. exactly. But the been. men, it's very different. Like it, uh, at the point that that she comes, um, she comes through the forest and she at like herself and she's with her lady in waiting, and they get the t- the two uh, of Robin's merry men to take her down to see him, and he's just randomly having a bath. Now she had told him to splish splash, splish splash, and in he's nude. Under yeah. a waterfall, yeah, it's amazing. Actually, which is what like a point. E- every woman in the nineties had been wishing for that shot of Kevin Costner. You are blowing my mind, right? Because I do an awful lot of whinging about the female gaze, and you are absolutely right. The only films that I've seen, and I am open to correction, and I'm open to contributions. Now, aside from this, this is hopping into the top of the list. Um, it's George of the Jungle. And, oh, yeah. which we somehow have not done on Juvenilia yet um, and High Rise starring Tom Hiddleston and the director of photography from that film was a woman and you can tell there's a lot of lingering on collarbones uh, it's fantastic like it's brilliant It's it, it the way that it frames the body um, is very specific and very compelling um, and you are right like there is a lot of different kinds of dudes in this film you know there's a lot of mm-hmm. like different and they're really showing them off like yeah. at one stage uh christian slater's character when he what's his name will scarlet when he comes uh is a, a let out of prison when, when a load of the merry men are captured and he's supposed to come back and, kill and uh kill yeah. robin hood he's been tortured and uh little john pulls up his shirt and and they see all of the the cuts but i feel like that was just an excuse for them to show off christian sader's chest (laughs) absolutely we encounter that first now this is here's some details we encounter that first while he is hanging upside down while alan rickman is hissing into his face like there's your like i don't even think that's subtext at this point do you know like it's that's just a now kiss moment now kissy kiss just a little closer boys just a little a little closer yeah jen gannon on twitter was saying like that um, it's kind of a side effect of the fact that women don't get to write about culture much and especially not about female gaze culture because otherwise Robin Hood will be like a canonical like female gaze film because women don't get to write about this stuff much because is... like because when that yeah. piece came out the Guardian piece every woman on, Twi- on my timeline was like what the fuck are you talking about Robin Hood <laughs> Prince Stevens is amazing how dare you because yeah. <laughs> that film was made for us yeah, it's not exactly. for you except for that, that old guy in the Guardian who was a cinema usher at the time it came out. He's obviously way too old for it. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. And like they're they're all different they're all different kinds of gents, you know? You've got mm. you've got so many different kinds. You've got your There's lovely, something for everyone. Your lovely mystic, you know, in, in, in Morgan Freeman, who is like real dignified and quiet and respectful. And then there's your CAD surfer bad boy nobility on a personal journey of, of Robin Hood. Your whatever the fuck Alan Rickman is doing. Um <laughs> your uh Will Scarlet boy band um angry little guy. Though we so in my head I'm when I'm watching it, I am casting everyone as the Disney version of themselves when I'm watching it. So I'm gonna say hiss the guy who plays the sheriff's assistant until he stabs him. Mm. Oh yes, hiss! In the um, Disney movie, he's literally played by a snake. Guy yeah. Gisborne. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know that character's name though. 
that's the actor's name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, don't, yeah. I, have, I have bad actor fate. I, I mean, maybe it is as well. Oh, I don't actually know the actor's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also down, also down for that. Whatever that whole thing that he's doing is, also down <laughs> for it. Uh, Fire took down for it, like absolutely across the board. <laughs> Little John, hundred percent. Little game. John, oh game. yeah. He has like fifty kids. Down for it, like whatever he's selling, <laughs> I'm buying. You know. So you have this lovely broad range of different kinds of lats to have. A, you're after kind of tilting my head a bit now. That's a very good point. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an important movie. <laughs> so, hmm. Okay. I, I feel like I, any question I asked now is intruding on this. Yeah. Uh, like, did you enjoy the action of it as, as well? Or how does it, do you enjoy action films besides Robin Hood or like oh yeah 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 um yeah I guess I don't don't know if I would class this as an action film Mm. but I enjoy the action that's in it like I think yeah you know what I really enjoy I I love the bit where they're like building the their their village in the forest and you know that they're like kind of it's almost like a training montage in Rocky where like mm. they're like making swords and everything. Oh, the bit where the bridge just flies up into the air and the, on, the, yes. on the rope. I and they're that, making yeah. the thing where the water comes down and uh, Azim is making explosives and everything. Like, I love that bit of it. Um, and then I think that the the scenes where they're fighting the Celts, mm. it's, it's probably one of the more serious it's the, the bit that gets you in the fields, I think, because there's loads like, of them. There's so many there's, of them. There's loads of them and they're yeah. terrifying, you know, and I mean, it's a bit like anti-Irish. <laughs> now, here's my like, question. Is it meant to be the Irish or is it the Scots? Because they do a very helpful like. Oh, it's the Celts. Celts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celts. <laughs> yeah, it's the Celts, the terrifying Celts. Whichever uh, one like of Scotland's those. Scotland's a lot closer. So yeah. I imagine you know. They came down on the horses rather than got a boat over and then. Oh, yeah, they're say, ferocious. <laughs> they're ferocious. In, uh, in the extended cut, there's a scene that, like, just a wild scene where um, the the sheriff has the, I think they're called the chiefs or whatever, like the, the other guys from around Britain who he's trying to get on board that he I can take I over. I was watching right? the extended cut because they're at the table and he's <laughs> drawn a table. giant. Okay, you say what happens because it's absolutely yeah. not Okay, so you, you saw the extended cut. So you've seen the, you've actually seen the yes. bad version of the film. Okay. <laughs> Like, there's 45 minutes left in this film. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. We were watching. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, you watched the, right. the really shit version of the movie. <laughs> like That's, it's it's a different it's a different film when they've got those bits cut out of it. It's really good. <laughs> um. So yeah, he walks into this room. They're all sitting around the table, and he's walking around giving them all these bags of coins. And they're like, "Oh, what the fuck is this?" Because I presume they're supposed to get a lot more than that from him. Pennies. Uh, Pennies. Yeah, it's just pennies yeah, yeah. and uh and he he tells them that he's hired the celts to fight robin hood and his merry men and they're going well, what are you doing hiring those animals for because everyone thinks they're savages uh which they actually turn out to be um and uh the the guy who's the kind of head of the celts who's this huge guy with like fur all over his head and everything he walks in this giant of a man and he just walks up to the fire picks a piece of wood out of it sticks it up against his hand and burns the palm of his hand and the lads are all real impressed <laughs> and, and it's just like such an unnecessary such a strange scene it's like it's, marla it's... singer putting the cigarette out in her armpit you know it's just like such a fuck you moment that was how he, he was proving he, he was worth all the money that he was getting. So hold on, is the bit with the giant pentagram over the map of England in the straight cut, or was that just a weird thing that they put into the director's? I, pre- I think that's in the that's in the extended cut, and also um, the the witch character uh, saying revealing that she's actually his birth mother and it swapped him out as a baby. That didn't make it into the final film. Ah, here now. Yeah. Mm. There's lo- there's loads of real weird stuff that didn't make it in in I the end. See, I watched a different. I I am I've had a different experience. It seems, but like again, I was like I'm strangely captivated. And I don't know why. I'm like, oh, it's the thirst. That's what's that's what's keeping me going here. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like I think that that's probably the, the most action there is. I mean, apart from the end when when they all they're all um you know they're, they're going to save Maid Marian and all that. But I think that the 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 action scenes in in that fight with the Celts are probably the best, and I think by that stage <clears throat> we by that stage we've 
we've fallen for some of the characters. We really like yeah. Robin and his merry men. We're attached yeah. to them and, and we're worried about them getting hurt. And then you have that great scene um, where you have um, little John and uh, his wife, Fanny, and she's just had a newborn baby and they're they're trying to get out and all these like fire arrows are coming at, at them and they're, and they're on bridges that are made of wood. In the trees. In the trees, and she's got this tiny newborn baby wrapped around her. Mm. Delivered by uh, delivered by our beautiful friend Morgan Freeman. <laughs> our beautiful friend hand hand delivered that baby after making a joke about having done it once with horses before. And everyone that was another horse. one of the zingers. Well, look, Fire Talk wasn't doing a very good job of it, was no. you know? So Morgan Freeman doing stuff. But all all those kinds of scenes, like that's what gets you, and you're actually like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm worried. I'm worried about yeah. these people. There are a lot of like minor characters in there that could be any of them could be expendable at that point in the film. So there is an actual sense of like we could definitely see someone we've got gotten a bit attached to die here at this point. Yeah, I'm wondering like did did you guys care about you see I'm so I love the characters so much because mm. I've lived with them for like years mm. and and they're my companions when I'm vulnerable. So like did you care about the other characters? by that stage that's what I'm wondering I'm interviewing yeah. you guys now this is my podcast <laughs> <laughs> I definitely cared about Little John and his wife because um, I felt bad for Little John that Robin Hood just came in and kind of decided he was the leader of their gang after Little John had done such a yeah, good job yeah fuck you blue eyes this is so my long. gang now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a real rich kid move oh totally yeah yeah um, he seemingly did not learn that much about colonialism on the crusades if you don't mind me saying no. <laughs> you know some but not enough yeah, no, I definitely cared about the characters because yeah. you, you get a good bit of hanging out with them, of like and really like them doing their little mini heists, and they actually get a this this film's amazing. They get a good bit of time to actually flower, but with like in the not without stakes, you know. So you do actually get to hang out with them, and it's a little bit of a hangout film in the middle, like third. Kerry calls those portions of storytelling beach episodes, which is just mm. when your cast goes to the beach. And they are necessary parts of a wider narrative because they give you a reason to want to belong to that world. So the sort of the nature of the way a screenplay works is so powered by narrative velocity that you don't often just get protracted scenes of people dicking around that make you feel like you belong. And I do think, like Alan said, that you do see a lot of mischief. Yeah. You know, and that's very contagious. I really liked the kids. I like the little kid who kills a load of deer. I really like. Oh, kids. Yes. That's yeah, where I started getting, son. yeah. Mm. That's where I started getting invested, and the kid who goes up to Azim and is just like, "Did God paint you?" Which is incredible writing. You know, it's it's really like that's like a st- that moment felt out of context with the rest of it, nearly. You know, mm. um, and uh, then gets ushered away by Friar Tuck, who's like waving a crucifix and being like, "Get the fuck away." Um, that did that was the extended cut version that was didn't make it, it? In. <laughs> so no! the, 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 the first exchange did, did but the first did god paint you made it in and yeah. his response so the, the nice Friar moment Tuck. they had not not friar took no coming in and taking the child and being like don't look at this child like it's horrendous that, that like, didn't make it turn, in right yeah. so um <laughs> But yeah, I thought I thought about like for me that world of it. It's just like God, that must be such a strange and beautiful place to grow up in. Like obviously it's full of hardship, but I cannot imagine that the rest of England during that whole weird feudal black plague black plague time is any crack either, you know. And I I think that there is a lovely sense of adventure to it. And for me mm. watching it, I was like, man, that kid and like all the Irish wolfhounds chase him, and like mm. you know, there's a. Well, like the Irish Wolfhounds chasing him wasn't a good moment. No, oh yeah, that's true. I just <laughs> that, that was a run for your life. Look, moment. I have very recently become a dog person, so I don't know. Like, I've I met I also met an Irish Wolfhound recently, and it was very exciting. It they was are like, lovely dogs, but I wouldn't want them chasing after me with like a bunch of men yeah, and with swords on horses. A very gentle uh, Irish Wolfhound stepped on my dog's face accidentally because she was just kind of sniffing around him, and he just sort of stood on her like there very very big boys uh, so maybe that actually isn't a lot of fun but the and yeah maybe in general being a child who's being pursued by the murderous uh, <laughs> soldiers of a deranged sheriff is probably not a lot of fun but like 
I don't know. I think that, but that's what pulled me in. Like when you see a full cross section of a society, you see the children, you see the elderly, right? It's not just a bunch of handsome boys frolicking around the forest straightly, you know, and uh, and like saving the day. There's a full, like a perfect slice of a society there. Um, oh yeah, it's not like it's not his band of merry men. It's his anarcho-syndicalist village community. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it is quite a, quite a rich world. Mm. Voluntary co-living organization, you know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Robin Hood uh, and his merry co-op. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> merry anti-fascist, <laughs> anti-capitalism uh, co-op dedicated to the redistribution of wealth amongst working-class communities. You know, mm-hmm. like I think that there's there's something to be learned in this day and age. I feel from the whole Robin Hood thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's pertinent. We should all go live in the forest. That's the lesson that we've learned. Live in the woods. Go on. Don't uh, go on any crusades. Don't go on. Shower in waterfalls. In full view mm-hmm. of people who fancy you, it works. <laughs> and uh, make sure you have tan lines as well. That's that's very key to it. Yeah, they had tan lines in the past. You know, surely. Uh, surely. Um, then what else do you have to do? Uh, you have to shoot arrows with feathers mm-hmm. on them, which are beautifully made even though they're only going to be used once you know like keep your flair going um tax the rich oh yeah loot them <laughs> that's Redo- very important redistribute wealth at all costs uh put if pent- you lick the feather on an arrow it will go in a different direction you put after spin on an arrow by licking it that's the thing science did that twice know. i was like cool all early right. science excellent mm-hmm. Uh, what else did we learn? Uh, pentagrams don't work. Uh-uh. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Putting a big pentagram over the map of England doesn't work. Alan Rickman, you're still not going to win at the end of the day. Um, Beer and religion, perfect. Go combo. well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect combo. Uh, that's great. Um, what else did we learn? Mullets, great. Little ones. You know, throughout history. Uh, yeah, I feel like living in the trees is the real the real answer here. Mm. That's the vibe, is the living in the tree, yeah, you know? Just, just return to the treetops, return to the foliage. Build, like, entire towns up there and you're fine. There's a brilliant moment when the Celts are attacking and everything feels as though it's getting much darker. Um, like, it gets, it, that, 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 I can imagine watching that as a kid, it was quite scary, right? Uh, where they're like, yeah. up to the trees, and that's really cool. But, like, do you find it scary when you're watching it as a kid? Or were you just yeah. like, I'm down... I definitely did. And I think that's why I still ha- kind of have those feelings as an adult because they're they're sort of the leftover feelings as a child watching it for, for the first time. That like that moment was really scary because I mean, the first time you watch it, you obviously don't know that everyone's going to get out alive. Um, and then, pe- you know, people are captured. And and I think the sheriff is a, a, watching it as a child. He's a much more frightening character and you know that like the witch character is is absolutely terrifying like her lair with the toads all over the place and she's cutting her cutting her own wrists to do spells and everything like she's really and she's mad she has really bad eyes and all like the the, the prosthetics they have in her are brilliant like they're really so so she you know they're they the two of them are terrifying and, and they're the the antagonists in this and then you also have the is he a bishop Who's like oh, this? Yeah, yeah, this like yeah. corrupt religious figure as well yeah. in it. Who's you know who who should be good and who is trusted by people like Maid Marian, and then he betrays her. You know, and and is part of the reason that she ends up being um, held captive by the sheriff. So like there, there's there's a, a lot of watching it as a child, a lot of genuine scariness. Like the I think when you watch it as an adult, Alan Rickman's character is funny because it's so over the top and so ridiculous when you watch it as a child he's really scary it's really scary like he's um sort of chaotic you know in that he mm. he does a lot of things out of the blue like just a lot of stabbing like that that's the coke energy where it's just like oh he's, he's fully just, just stabbed his like you you believe for a long time that his like we assistant lad um is in it for the long run but when you i think something changes in the film when he stabs him you yeah, know? you're like, oh, anything could happen now, and it's from that point that we get more serious about the Celts and and all that. You know, it's sort of a, a stake changer. So I can imagine that being quite kind of stressful. Because like all the other like the good characters, like hopefully as a child you've probably encountered some version of like these kindly or like they're like they're all like types of uncles essentially. Whereas, 
if you that's look, so true whereas like Little hopefully, hopefully you uncle. haven't encountered a sheriff in nottingham in your life when you're a child yeah yeah, so he's yeah. Like, he is quite alien you don't really have a model for what he could do or what he's doing so yeah yeah he's scary as hell and so how so it did it it's one of those things i guess where i think the power of the vhs that it's recorded off of the television is sort of it's a sacred object you know um mm. so like watching it like were your whole family into it was a sort of a like ah oh, let's stick on robin hood kind of vibe like what was what was the kind of context for it carrying in and onwards into your life oh yeah we all love it like <clears throat> we you see we probably haven't spoken f- about it for a while like alan and i were talking about this before we started recording that like people don't talk about the film a lot and it's only really when that what I'm going to call a rubbish article was written about it <laughs> recently uh, that that people started having a conversation about it and everyone was talking about how much they love it and I think it's because if you've seen it and you love it you just know it's good so like you don't it, it, you don't need to have a debate about it you don't need to talk about it. it it just everyone just knows it's good so when I talked to my mom before we were recording I was like oh, I'm doing this podcast about Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and uh and I was asking her about the tape which she thinks she still has actually she still has the tape up in the attic I think holy objects yeah yeah uh and and she was saying oh god Joe we used to love to watch that because uh so my sister Joan is seven years older than me and she's like oh me and Joan used to really fancy Kevin Costner and you know like we loved watching it that's brilliant that's fantastic <laughs> yeah so I mean I, I don't know how my dad and my brother felt about it but it was definitely the, the women in the family it's, it's a big hit with them but my husband is and this is probably like a big part of the reason why we're together is also a huge fan like he he would watch it as many times as I would want to watch it in exactly. a year, which could be like I I could watch it five times in a year. I could probably watch it more than that and be happy. <laughs> That's very powerful, and it's good when you yeah. find someone who's like come into this weird forest with me, and they're mm-hmm. like, yes, I a hundred percent will. You know, like that's good to share that like liminal mm-hmm. hangover space. You know, especially with something uh, so specific. Yeah, totally, and so like ahead of the podcast I was like oh we should watch it again so we watched it last weekend and it just happened to be the extended cut and he was just so into it <laughs> it's like it's amazing to have that with somebody where you're, you're like you're both so in, into something that means so much to you you know yeah. um now I don't know I'm not sure what he, that he would have watched it and he's 10 years older than me so he obviously didn't watch it as a child but uh he he probably wouldn't have as long a relationship with it as I do but um, it's a blockbuster but, like there's something Kerry yeah. remarked on when he watched it's like man because oh, we have recently went through a phase with Zorro like we watched all the sort of 90s action movies in a kind of a kick and uh, there's a, a sort of a period of filmmaking where they just fucking love setting shit on fire <laughs> like they just lo- one of the first things that happens in this movie is they set a guy on fire he gets immolated right and uh, what was the uh god uh the mummy we were watching that was it the mummy and we did not enjoy the mummy there you go um but the one thing that we noticed about the mummy was it's like this film is just about people setting people on fire like that's yeah just it's a real fire as well so it looks cool yeah it looks there's a lot of it you know and this film is part of that oeuvre of action movies in which they're set in the past so nobody has a gun so you gotta set some shit on fire if you want to do something like yeah and, it, and robin hood they they blew things up yeah. yeah. So, th- like, that was, I think that was like part of why they wanted to have Azim's character in it as well, because they were like, ah, he can bring explosives to England and that could be his thing. Because, <laughs> like, the, the, uh, the Moore character in Robin Hood stories was only invented in the 80s. It's not part of the, no way, the original. It was a BBC um, series invented, like, added that in. Wow. And they originally, I, was, I, I got really into reading all about Robin Hood this week and everything about it. Uh, Azim's character was originally called Nasir and they had to change it because that's the name of the BBC character and you're like no they oh. invented him that's not so like a stock Robin Hood character yeah so but he's been in all the the more recent ones I think except maybe the very last one but like yeah he's only the, so like the mythology is still developing like he's only um went to the crusades in like the late 19th century early 20th century that wasn't part of the story ever for the first like five centuries of the story that wasn't part of it so that's it's, incredible I think it's cool yeah I was in uh Nottingham in the Waterstones mm. uh, doing work here, uh, in the past before COVID and we were only in the city for like you know 18 hours you know you go in you go do the job and then you 
not like bank robbing bookshops or anything. You know, like you, you go and you do your reading, you go to the hotel, you go to sleep, mm. you get up and you go to the next city. So I was like, I have 45 minutes to get from this hotel to the statue of Robin Hood to take a selfie. And it was pissing <laughs> raining, but I found it. Like they have a beautiful statue of Robin Hood in Nottingham. And um, a wee little like tourist, uh, I guess it would be like a, like there's a guy who is Robin Hood and they have Robin Hood stuff. And they're, Does they, he look they like Kevin a, Costner though? No, but he was really sound and he would only speak to me in character. So, <laughs> Oh, I love I was, that. Right? I was like, I have 10 minutes, I gotta get a fri- fri- fridge magnet for my mom, you know? And he was just like, ah, yes, we do have magnetic objects, which you can stay. And I was like, buddy, come on, 10 minutes, thank you. <laughs> you know, you're not a fox, I don't wanna talk to you, but thank you so much for your effort. Um, but I, I would love to go back and actually go knocking around Sherwood Forest for real to see it. Cause like, it is a place where a big myth sprung from, you know, like that's cool. Like that's on the, the co- post COVID uh, exploration list. So Michelle, for anybody who has still hasn't watched Robin Hood Prince Tees and is still not convinced, what's what would be your final pitch to them that they need to watch this film and make space for it in their hearts? Like we have now. Yeah, like our, our, our converted. <laughs> Merry men cast. Yeah. Oh, okay. So can I do my pitch to the feminists? Because Ooh. this is one of my one of my things about it is that I, I actually think this is a feminist movie. And I think that Robin Hood, as well as being the OG champagne socialist, is also a feminist. So Marion's character is, I think, like a, a very strong female character in it. Like if you think about the first time you see her like for the love interest in a lot of movies especially in the 90s the first time that you see the love interest she's actually doing something sexy or she's being admired right in this the first time he comes across maid marion after them seeing each other as children she's kicking his ass and she's doing it real well like she's dressed basically like an old-fashioned ninja and she's she's well able for him and uh there are a couple of, of instances of that like um, when she's riding through the forest with her lady in waiting, and the two of them are uh, two of the maid, the not the maid, the maid men. I was going to say, uh, two of the the merry men try to mug them, and one of them gets a kick in the face, and the other gets a knife to the throat, and that that's when they they say, you know, take me to Robin Hood, and and she spots him under the the waterfall. So she's she's not really the damsel in distress until the very end of, of the film and that's just necessary for the plot <laughs> like they, they need him to be able to to save her at the end but all the way through like she's 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 really strong and even in that early part you know he's saying i i swore to your brother i'd protect you and she's kind of saying i don't need you to protect me like i'm well able to take care of myself thanks very much uh and also i think fanny's character little john's wife is a very strong female character. So if you think about um, when her son, uh, Sarah, your your favorite child character. My dude, in my it, little, your, your little, my dude. little wolfhound guy, my little deer murderer. <laughs> little deer killer. Yeah, yeah little Oliver right. Twist. Love that guy. So, yeah, so yeah. he's he's captured when where in the battle with the Celts, um, and you know he's he's been he's in the dungeon, uh, and he's going to be hung with the the other guys who, who were captured, uh, and they have this sort of rescue plan that they're coming up with the, the people who were left who who didn't get captured, um, and all the men are standing around. And there's only a, a group of I think it's like six of them. And Robin says, okay, well, we have six men and Fanny comes along and she picks up a sword that's on the ground and goes seven. And little John is like, oh, you know, what do you, what do you think you're saying woman? Like you just had a baby or like, where are the kids or something? Um, and, you know, he, he was like, don't be stupid. You'll get hurt. And she's like, I've given birth to eight babies. Don't you tell me about getting hurt. <laughs> and Robin like lets her in on the plan. And she's like, she's, there with all the others when they, she doesn't fight anyone but she's like organizing for them all to get their swords and she's like having the bounce up on the wall stage uh, managing is what she is doing she's the stage hardest managing. job of all she is stage managing <laughs> she's, she's actually line, essential she's to a the, line to the producer. whole thing yeah no glamour all the work absolutely the linchpin of the situation is what she is so i think that like those the female characters were actually a lot more interesting than female characters in a lot of other 90s movies um and and like that that take on robin hood and that take on maid marion in particular i really like 
it, it's one of the things that, that I like most about the film. So if I'm, if this, that's my pitch to feminists. <laughs> if we can, if we can try and pull one particular cohort on of female, people in on that female gaze thing, she does more admiring of him than kind of through the camera's eyes that than we do. Uh, that he does of her you know like yeah. she is looking at him and we're looking at him through her eyes which is not the way female bodies are treated largely on the screen so you're yeah you're absolutely right like often it turns at at robin in particular through maid marion's gaze which is loads of that's, that's loads of agency that you don't really see it's it's subtle but it's there you know it's really there yeah, you've me, but you've me turned on it now. That's my head Gosh. completely turned. Never gonna. It's like finally a third George of the Jungle, uh, High Rise, and Robin Hood Prince Thieves. I'm I'm trying to get people one by one. That's mm-hmm. my that's my life mission, basically. That's how you do it. That's how you get your very men. You've, just you've one got two one. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got two here. Let's go. go Success. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much. Please tell everybody where I can find you. Plug anything you want to plug. For me. Uh, well, you'll find my writings on thejournal.ie uh, and on Twitter, I'm at Michelle H. Tweet. Sarah, where can we find you? I am on the internet and in my house, Alan, um, at Griffsky on Twitter. Actually, please don't follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Release me from the bird app. Please let me go. Sarah Griffsky on Instagram. I do better posts there. Please let me go from Twitter. Go to the other one. I don't um, think I follow you on Instagram. I'll have to now. I will follow you back there. There you go. Future <laughs> mutuals as well as mutuals of historical mutuals, you know. Um yeah, my books are in all good bookstores, uh Sparing Vin Parts and Other Words for Smoke. There is more coming. Alan, where can we find you? I, I am Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Um do follow me on Twitter because I'm trying to get uh Walter's Bakery who make blast to sponsor me. So yes. the the more uh, <laughs> impetus I can get behind that, the better. Uh, Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. We have Patreon. There is a weekly or a bi-weekly show that comes on the off week. It's when really Juvenalia good. Isn't out, called it's Start really finished. good. We've had so much. We started fun. and finished in the last yeah. few weeks. Uh, we have, you know, we talk about Bo Burnham. We're going to talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion very soon because it's my new lunchtime show. going to get through I it. bullied Alan it. into watching weird anime. It is oh, not a female gaze show. It is an absolutely male gaze show. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys got to do uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark at some stage? Oh, yeah. We really do. Yeah. Oh, my God. How have we never done that? That's We're another one of the this ones. Is, this is episode 130, and we still have a trove of stuff that hasn't come up yet. So. Big Are You Afraid of the Dark Goosebumps special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we yes, will never goosebumps. log off. <laughs> yeah, we will never log off. Never. All coming up. Um, thank you, Steve McDonald, for our artwork. Thanks, Steve. And thank you to Cassie and Tall Tales for letting us be on your network. Cassie is going to be co-hosting the next episode of Start of Finish with me because Sarah is going to be away on a hike. I'm in the mountains. So, yeah. So that'll be exciting. If you like Cassie Delaney, come check out our Patreon as well. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Michelle Hennessy. This has been thank an you. absolute education and an eye-opening experience. So Thanks, guys. A banger. Thank you. thank you so much. This is great. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.